Hello and welcome to Pod on the Dog, episode four. I'm Verity Hardcastle. You can find me at Verity Hardcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in Dogdom. So today, I'm with a groomer and trainer who set me sail onto the path that I'm on today. She's the co-owner of one of the UK's best-known and oldest training schools, Look North. This is where I did my initial grooming course, and she has really been a driving force in the industry for as long as I've known her. The chair of Groom Team England, an all-round super mum who has pushed me into the grooming competition ring when I was a new groomer, and as I helped groom her poodles when I was really wet behind the ears, is to blame for my devotion to the breed nowadays. So a warm welcome to Joanne Angus. Hello, how are you? Hi Joe. it's lovely to see you. Yes, and you too. You're keeping well. I'm doing really well. It's been so long because of COVID, we've not seen each other for so long. No, I know. I can't wait to just go and meet and have a coffee and a good old catch-up, but this will do for now. This will do for now. We can have a catch-up now. A mini yeah. one. A mini one. <laughs> a mini one, a mini one. So what's your tipple of choice this evening, Joe? Well, I'm really dull. I'm really, really dull. If I told you truthfully what I was doing. Go on, tell me truthfully, truthfully, because I've been on, first one I had water and the second one was a cup of coffee. So I've been really dull up until now. Yeah, water. (laughs) Water. (laughs) I'm afraid that's my, but cheers anyway. Cheers. my water. (laughs) I have a wine. It's um, it's actually a rosé Prosecco. So a sparkling. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. It was yeah. actually a client who bought it for me. How sweet is oh, that? Oh, that's even nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't really drink during the week. In fact, I don't really drink that much now at all. Been there, done that, worn the t-shirt, had the hangovers. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm sure you will have witnessed at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think we ever did a, a grooming competition, did we, without a hangover? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. That was a commonplace grooming competition hangover. Yeah go the two go together hand in hand definitely yeah. in the hotel room drinking wine out of a plastic cup <laughs> that's the one that's the one <laughs> so joe tell me about look north where is it based it's got such a rich history for all the listeners tell us about the training school how it started and its journey up to today okay so look north originally um started started its life out actually as um a grooming salon in the back of a of a pet shop um, I first met Diana North, who owned Look North Grooming at the time, which wasn't called Look North at the time, but um, she was the owner of a pet shop and she had a grooming salon in the back and mm-hmm. she was looking for Saturday staff. So myself and Alison, who's currently my business partner, we were her Saturday girls way back in, oh, I can't remember what year, but anyway, when I was 13, which is a very long time ago wow, now. Wow, <laughs> Yeah, so I started as a Saturday girl when I was 13. Um, and then we moved to the current premises where we are now um, to concentrate solely on the grooming. Diana got rid of the pet shop and concentrated solely on the grooming. And then I went in full-time. Ooh, now this will really show my age. Where am I now? 1987. So I've Gosh. been full-time grooming. Yeah, so that's how long I've been full-time grooming. Um, and then eventually when Diana retired, I took the business over. We started mm-hmm. the training around about, ooh, was it about 98, 99, something like that. Um, did a lot of training over the years. We did a lot of training with the um, old YT schemes. You won't remember that. You're too young to remember No, those. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> a bit like the apprenticeship of the day. 
Um, yeah. And that's where a lot of our groomers came from. I mean, people that went through that scheme are still grooming today very successfully, including Zoe, who works with me, yeah. and, Joe Bot- and Joe Botwood, who was a former groom team oh, member. Oh, Joe's lovely as well. Yeah. So they all came through the YT scheme. That was a fantastic scheme from uh, back in the day. And then we just continue to build from there. So we've, you know, we've been grooming now in the centre of Keithley for over 30 years and, and doing the grooming skill too. And that then um, has led us now into, for the last seven years, been running Summit Groomer Training Group, which is our City and Guilds Approved Centre. And we have the um, largest number of grooming skills that work alongside us in the UK offering City and Guilds qualifications. So, yeah, really expanded out. Wow, what a long lineage as well. That's incredible. And obviously, <laughs> apart from Zoe and Joe Botwood, I mean, you must have had so many successful groomers come through those doors. Well, yes, of course. I mean, we're talking to one, aren't we? You know, look at what you've achieved. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I mean, when you think back, you know, when you came to us, you were, I think if I remember right, you were working in insurance. Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working in insurance and, you know, really into your dogs and everything. But yeah. And I mean, I don't know what it was about the year that you came, but I think I've said this to you before, but it seemed to be um, a classic year, I think. Mm. Um, and the year that you came as well was uh, Leslie Harpen, who's yeah. been a former groom team member, Pammy Carmichael Hogg, who's yeah. the Asian, Asian fusion queen, and, and Martin and Lee, who mm-hmm. have got a really successful grooming school in Chesterfield. Yeah. Um, you know, you were and all I, and I, We were all together in, yeah. Uh, da- yeah. down with, uh, with Zoe and, yeah. and you. I used to always pop up and have my lunch with you, didn't I? Jen? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. just watch you groom another dog, like, no lunch for me. Can I? Yeah. <laughs> but we've had, I mean, I mean, you know, that's just to name sort of some of the people, but we've had some amazing, you know, the majority of the students that we've had have gone on to run successful businesses done really well in the in the show ring the competition ring you know a lot of them have taken that under the wing as well so it's it's fantastic to see people sort of grow and develop you know it's it's lovely that's what it's all about must have a certain technique which well I know you know how you taught me to groom but I know when I first started competing I think it was Yik who came up to me and she said where did you learn to groom Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she was judging me in a competition. And I said, look north. And she said, I can tell by yeah. the routine that you're working in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we still very much teach that way now. I mean, I don't really teach that much. Zoe does all the teaching, really. Um, but it's very much about routine and method, which may sound a bit dull and boring. But, you know, it works. It's It works and it works well. You have to have a routine and method to work to. Otherwise, you just lose where you are with your dog. There's no point in, in, you know, you're just going from one piece to another to another. So routine and method is really the key and good handling. And, I mean, we still teach as well very much scissoring. Mm. You know, we, we teach scissoring more than anything. You know, obviously we clip bodies and what have you, but we don't we don't really use comb attachments much, which I know. No, well, well know, even when I learned, they, they, yeah, even when I learned, they didn't really have those metal comb attachments. No. I remember that. I remember when I did a, a couple of days um, with Catherine. Yeah, he had yeah. these plastic sort of comb attachments yeah. that you could, yeah, but nobody used ones. them because they were just awful. They were so terrible. We had to, yeah, so we had to learn how to scissor a dog. Yeah, because it yeah. was you know if they wanted a longer length or scissored in yeah. legs, there was no. Yeah. You know, your no, longest no was a three, a three yeah. F. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I've nothing, I've nothing against comb attachments, and you know, people use them, and that's absolutely fine. But what I don't want to see is the art of scissoring dying. And I think that you know, if people aren't taught how to scissor, 
and to be able to scissor shape and style into the dog, then, you know, that art will go. I think it's really important to keep, you know, learning scissoring because it's not just about running a clipper down dog's legs, you know. That's not what grooming's about to me. Grooming's about creating shapes and styles and flair, you know. And mm. I know you've just done um, your webinar, haven't you, on, on your, um, was it a Shih Tzu or a Laza? Shih Tzu. So it was a Shih Tzu with a drop coat, so I did scissoring yes. the comb rather yeah. than... Yeah, and how, many, how many people and how many people can do that these days? Yeah, I mean, you never see you know? it, do you? Never. No, no. But we, but I do that frequently in the salon mm. because yeah. that's the way that I've, you know. And yeah, it may it may sort of be a longer way of doing it, but it gives such a lovely result. And I know with, yeah. with that one as well, you know, you talked about putting shape into a leg and disguising mm. faults, and mm. you can't do that with a comb attachment you can do it with scissors but you can't do it if you're just doing it with a comb attachment so absolutely if the dog's got no angulation it's going to follow that lack of angulation absolutely. if the dog's yeah. you know got bananary front legs they're yeah. going to end they're, they're going to end up banana-y banana-y front, front legs, legs. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and yeah. I, I do think there has been like a big change though i think things are changing around again i think people loving the comb attachments five years ago but i think there is coming back to having this respect and i've had a lot more people contact me wanting to know about scissoring more so yeah yeah so i think that it's uh it's coming back around and i think i think with the scissors that are available these days i mean you know when i when i started in grooming you had a pair of straight scissors that you used absolutely for everything you know Mm. um but now with the range of scissors and and chonkers and thinners and blenders and you know and everything else and the curved scissors and everything else that goes with it you can get some phenomenal tools now which make the job easier and you can give you that lovely finish that you're looking for with your scissor work so you know, I think that's something that you can really work with. And obviously, you know, there's some amazing um, suppliers around, but, you know, our fav- my, one of my favourites is always Mandy at the Scissor Boutique. You know, oh, she yeah. advise, advise and give you the, the best information you can get on your scissoring, you know, and she gets a scissor to fit your hand, which is what mm-hmm. you need. So, My favourite scissors are all from Mandy, to be honest. Yeah, um, mine I've bought scissors yeah. all over. I do like mm-hmm. a Kenshi scissor. And yeah. I've, I've bought some really good, cheaper salon scissors from Power and Working and things like that. But my yeah. absolute favourite scissors are all from Mandy at Scissor Beauty. Yeah, yeah. mine too, mine too, yeah. And yeah. also, I learned on my webinar that there's a new type of scissor out, Joe, called a fluffer. Oh, a fluffer? Oh, that's <laughs> a fluffer. That sounds intriguing. <laughs> Well, I knew what a fluffer was, but I didn't know what Ooh, a yes. fluffer scissor was. No, tell me more. What is a fluffer scissor? That's apparently. A so I was told, I didn't know this, I was told in my webinar in the QA that apparently a fluffer is a hybrid between a chunker and a blender. So it's like okay. in between. Yeah. Okay. I oh, thought yeah. a fluffer was something else. But, yes, uh, I did too. But, <laughs> but I don't know, any, I don't know anything about show. that, though. Yes, yeah. a family show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. So how important do you think the right training is in this profession? I mean, do you ever stop learning? No, you never, ever stop learning. I think, I think if you say as a groomer, oh, that's it, I know everything, then it's time to hang your scissors up. 
to be honest. You know, I just think it's something that, because styles continually change as well, you know, we're mm. very governed by what goes on in the show ring and if something, you know, in pure breeds anyway, obviously, and if something sort of slightly changes in the show ring, then, you know, you need to adapt your grooming to fit. And then, of course, with the multitude of crossbreeds now, you know, you can pick and choose what styles you want to do. And no, I just think you never, ever stop learning, ever ever you know it's just it, it i think that's what's nice about this profession as well you mm. know it's not it's not a job that you get bored of because Never, every, yeah. every day is different you know every dog's different so you may have two miniature poodles for instance and they can be completely different coats they can com- be completely different shapes you know the owners might want completely different trims so it's it's never dull it's never boring and I think you know you just never ever stop learning you've got to keep your eyes and ears open all the time you know yeah. and, and like we've already said you know constantly there's new equipment coming out new products coming out you know and there's always something new to learn I think so. Yeah, you never stop learning. Never stop learning. Yeah, I totally agree. So obviously, you've trained so many people. Do you think that anybody can learn to be a groomer? Like, can you teach everybody this skill? Ooh, that's that's a that's a good question. That is a good question, and I would say no. Um, for for sure, we've had some students that have been high, what we call high flyers, that just have a natural affinity can pick it up really, really easily and they just run with it and they're fantastic. We've got students that may struggle with some bits of it. Um, You know, everybody's got the nemesis. It's usually either feet or ears or nail trimming that, you know, a lot of people are paranoid about things like that. But Mm. I think, no, I don't think everybody can be a groomer. I think you've got to have a certain, certainly an affinity for the dogs and an empathy for the dogs as well but without being too um what's what am I trying to say true babying with them yeah you've got to to work with the dogs but you've got to also realize that the dog is on the table there to be trimmed it's not there to be kissed I think that the dogs feel more they dogs feel calmer and more comfortable when you are confident yes confident aura that you know what you're doing and don't worry everything's under control yeah yeah I mean we we I mean we haven't been offering taster sessions because of COVID but we always used to offer um taster sessions for potential Mm. students to come and it's a really good idea to do that because a lot of the time it puts them off really what's the the uptake normally on the what's the ratio of people who come to training session who want to carry Uh, on I would say it's not very high at all no I mean whether that's whether that's cost wise when they realize the cost of a training course or whether Mm. it's just that they realize actually it's not for me it's not what I thought it was because you and I both know that grooming dogs day in day out is bloody hard work you know, um, as, she, as she sits here with a crick in her neck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it is physically demanding. You know, it, it is physically demanding, and I don't think people always realise that. And particularly if you get, for instance, a noisy day, it can. You know, if you've had dogs barking all day, or if you get dogs in that are, you know, not as well behaved as others, and it, it's really it can be quite stressful. So I think people don't realise that sometimes. I think they think that grooming is just a nice little easy number and I'm hoping that we've seen some of the stuff on Pooch Perfect because I think that showed some 
sort of insight into how you know grooming was certainly with the malamutes and things that was uh, a challenge mm. and you could you could see them sort of physically sweating couldn't you on that one yeah yeah um, you know I mean a lot of groomers don't do big dogs if they work on their own and I don't blame them don't yeah. blame them at all, I, you know? I don't do I, I do one big dog that's it now mm-hmm mm. I mean, the girl, we had a we had a chowing yesterday, and I said to Naomi, who works with me, I said, "Good." I said, "Look at you." I said, "She looked like she'd been pulled through a hedge back." <laughs> <laughs> she was she was that hot and bothered, you know. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's in in spring, you know. That's not in the middle of summer as well, you know. You add summer into it, and it's even worse. But you know, they're, they're hard work, aren't they? You know, these big hairy dogs, they're, they're hard work, and I think that a chaser session can quite often be a real eye opener for people. I think people um, realise the variety as well of the job. And they, I think that yeah. people realise it's not just brushing a dog and running a clipper no, over it. It's no, no, so no. in-depth. I mean, 80% yeah. of what we do is training and handling. Absolutely, yeah. And then, yeah. And then we've got to give that dog a nice haircut. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think people fail to realise as well, which kind of was a bit of a sticking point during COVID as well, is that we're there for the welfare of the dog. We're not mm. there just to make its hair look pretty. But if that mm. dog's got knots under its feet, it's got knots between its toes, it's got dirty ears, it's got a dirty bottom, you know, yeah. that's all part and parcel of the job. You know, it's yeah. not. And how many yeah. lumps and grass seeds yeah. and all these yeah. things have we found on dogs yeah. that have, Absolutely. you know, that Absolutely. have saved, saved them, you know, saved a lot of pain them. and yeah. suffering and yeah. saved them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. how long have you been grooming, Joe? And also... Besides your beautiful children, what would you say your biggest achievements are in and out of the dog world? Probably uh-huh. mostly in the dog world because, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we live, breathe this stuff, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I started when I was 13 as a Saturday girl, but then um, grooming full time for however many years that is from age 30, 30 plus years full time grooming. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. all your younger life so, and, and all, all your life. adult life, yeah. isn't it? All my yeah. life. All my that's life, we've known for. Yeah, it's all I've known, basically. So I suppose, um, you know, achievements is basically the business itself, mm. you know, to get the business where we're at and, you know, to have been able to keep it going all these years and to have the reputation that we've got. And I, I'm really proud of the fact, actually, that we've had, well, some amazing students go through, but I've also had some amazing staff and I've still got amazing staff who were always, yeah. you know, I've I've never had a huge turnover of staff. My staff have always stayed loyal for quite a number of years before, you know, for whatever reason they may have moved on or whatever. You know, Zoe's, I've known Zoe since she was 16. She's still with me now. You know, she went yeah. off and came back. And, you know, it, it's lovely that, you know, I think that that's a real achievement. I think that that's something to be proud of is the business itself. Um, but, yeah, apart from my kids, you know, the kids are just amazing. Um, but apart from that, I suppose grooming wins. You know, you know, I was I've been fortunate in the competition ring. I've won groom groomer of the year twice. Went over to America like you did. Won a gold medal in America, which was phenomenal. You know, and uh, and then um, came back out for Yitka's first style to rescue. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and got best in show there, which was really nice. So you know, and I've not competed for ages. So yeah, and then founding groom team England. Um, yeah. That's the other thing as well. So I'm getting that to where it is on the on the world stage. So yeah, yeah, I've done I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of. I think yeah. So obviously, as the chair of Groom Team England, uh, could you just explain a little bit to everybody 
about our groom team because when I was learning to be a groomer, I was what does a does a groom team like an Olympic yeah. sort of yeah. team for groomers in England? Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. So how does it work? Like how do people become members? And also, I think there's a new team coming out soon. Are you allowed to announce the team members yet? I can. I can give you. Oh, a, can you? you a hot exclusive. Yeah. Oh, great. I'm excited about this. Okay, yeah. go. Okay, so Groom Team England was formed in 2007. And it was formed by me and Zoe and Alison Rogers and Pete and Becky Ensel. And Diana was involved as well, Diana North. Um, and it was formed basically because we didn't have a team. And there was a world team event that took place, which that only started in, I think it was 2003, something like that. And I did attend there as Team GB with, um, bless them, Richard Barker and Paula Hull and yeah. Mel Winters and I. And we went to Spain and we represented Team GB. But somebody had to start something somewhere. So we got together as a group of friends and we said, right, we're going to form Groom Team England. And then we built it from there. And then we ran it for 10 years. Um, and then we sort of let it go for a couple of years. And it was taken over by um, other management for a couple of years. And then it's now landed back on my lap again, which... <laughs> <laughs> gluten for punishment yeah, that I, I am <laughs> but we formed a new committee we've got an amazing committee and we formed a new committee so we want to really move it forward so what the aim of it is is that we take the top winning groomers so we have a point system which mm -hmm. we're just working on that at the moment because we just reformed this year and we're just working on the point system but when you compete at national grooming events you'll be awarded points for winning certain classes so the classes that are in the team at the world team event are very specific we've only got the poodle class we've got the hand strip class hand strip terrier class then we've got the hand strip gun dog class and then we've got the pure breed scissor class so that's like your kerries and your bichons in that one so it's out of those four classes which is why the competitions in this country are always split into those classes so that we can award points from the top winning groomers and then they'll go forward to be a groom team member so that's what we do really excited to find out who the team members are but just to say before I mean these guys are so dedicated because they 100%. are at all the grooming shows day in yeah. day out aren't they yeah. you know yeah. putting their 100% in with beautiful yeah. prepared dogs yeah and um you know they really and they've really traveled hard as well. for this stuff yeah no, because um we when we when we do the point system we usually allow two or three European shows as well because mm. um, people although I'm not sure what's going to happen with that because of Brexit and the traveling with the animals now is making it more difficult yes. um, but you know they've traveled they've spent thousands of pounds on traveling around going to shows going to every competition in the UK you know they've put the time and the effort in and I know some people say oh it's always the same people that win well yeah because they put the time and the effort in and the, mm. you know that's that's the thing if you commit it's like showing isn't it you yes. don't win if you don't go to the shows. So, yeah. you know, so yeah, so they are very, very dedicated. So our idea now for our groom team is we want to take a traveling team. We want to have a bigger team. So ordinarily it will be four people, mm -hmm. but we're now, we're now expanding it. So we have a traveling team going to the world championships. So do you want to know who's on our traveling team? Oh, okay. The whole team um, that are with us to the end of 22 uh um i can't do it in alphabetical order so i'll just have to score the name <laughs> just tell them to you. <laughs> uh uh julie lalu yeah yeah denise westbrook yeah amy manser yeah 
Cheryl Howard. Yeah. Kirsty Young. Yeah. And Kostin Stoika. That's amazing. What a team. So, yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal team. Yeah. So four of them will compete as the team in the world event and two of them will compete as groom team members in the individual events. So um, we will aim for eight. We will aim to take eight when we do another team. Um, but this was a, a, a merge of the two teams that were sort of waiting to go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're oh, that's fantastic. Full, yeah, so they're the full teams. So, and then hopefully from 23, we'll have a travelling team of the top eight groomers. That's the plan. That's the plan. I think so. with that dream team, the cup's going to be ours. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's about time it was. <laughs> yeah. So massive congratulations to those guys. I mean, yeah, you know, huge congrats. All yeah. their hard work. They're all they work, fantastic they really, groomers. Really they yeah. do. And yeah. you know what? They're every every month, every weekend, they're, they're out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and come go to the grooming competitions. But not only that, it's the hard work and, and dedication preparing their dogs. I mean, you need yes. to look at Amy Mansa's dog and yeah. Kirsty's dog. And yeah. and also, you know, with the roll coats like Costi's dog. Oh, I mean, really it's difficult. such a lot really of work. Difficult. And, and Julie's, yeah. you know. And, and Denise, mm. she has her poodles as well. It's such a lot yeah. of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. And and they've got to put in the work in the background as well, you know. Because, because we need sponsorship. You know, we, mm. we always need sponsorship for the team. So a little yeah. club for anybody wants so, to Yeah, what I was going to ask you about groom team <laughs> events. Um, obviously, you do hold groom team events that are happening just to help re- raise money for the team mm. so that they can go out and compete. Is there anything in the pipeline? What's the what's the plans for these fundraising events? Yeah, we have, we've, we've launched already a, a fun competition that we've put together called Zoo Groom. And that is, um, instead of it being just completely for dogs, it's for anybody that grooms any animal. So Amazing. So, so I could trim a guinea pig. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. An online photo competition. Um, and we've got some fantastic judges lined up as well. Um, the only dog classes that we're having in it are Asian um, freestyle. Mm-hmm. We've got creative a creative class. Mm-hmm. And we have a class especially for the juniors. So your little kiddie winkles can go in it. Um, and also for students. So anybody that's still in training. And then we have a model dog class. Um, and those are the, those are the sort of dog classes. And then we have, um, uh, animal class. So it's small animal, which would be your guinea pigs, your rabbits. We've got a cat grooming class. Amazing. Um, and then medium medium animals, so that would be your goats and sheep. <laughs> yeah. And then your large animals, so that's all you horse groomers out there. Um, and then we're having a reptile photo as well. So it covers wow. everything. Yeah. So we've covered everything. Online photo competition. Um, so get your entries so in called, that. So it's yeah. called Zoo Groom. Zoo Groom. That's our first fundraising event. And then um, our one that we have planned next is hopefully going to be um, a a one-to-one consultation with a team member of your choice. But that's online as well. Um, So we're doing just doing online again at the moment until obviously we know what freedoms we're all going to have sort of later in the year. Yeah. And then we'll plan plan some live events. But at the moment we're just doing online just to – sort of try and raise awareness and get everybody involved so we've got zoo groom which is um that's open now the entries are open now and that will so be is that on facebook then it is on yeah, facebook. it's yeah. on facebook yeah and the um i think uh, is it 17th of june that closes so got plenty of time to get all your sheep shearing and your horse clipping and yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. Would absolutely. I'd yeah. absolutely love to clip a horse. Yeah, I've done some sheep shearing. I have sheep sheared sheep before. Sheep sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, when you when you go to um, events like the Great Yorkshire Show and you watch them doing the sheep shearing competition. Oh, the race there. is fantastic, isn't it? My God, they're phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. So I love fun. that. But also yeah. they've all got the tops off. <sighs> exactly. Exactly. Hot farmers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Andrew, I'll just um, I'll just yeah. watch this for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. You go take the kids off and get an ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> I just I'm just really interested in the techniques they're using for shearing sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> What's your um, top three tips would you give for anyone starting out trying to grow a business in the pet sector, working with dogs, things like that? I think. Um, Customer relations is really, really important. I'm not, you know, these people that say, oh, I work with animals because I don't like people. Well, sorry, you're in the wrong job. At the end of the day, we are a service industry mm. and customer relations is so important. Yeah, great really, advice. Really important. Yeah. yeah. You know, the dog can't bring itself in for grooming, you know, so you've got to talk to the customer and, you know, you've got to build relations. I've got, you know, I've met some, I'm sure you have got some, obviously you have, because they brought you a bottle of wine. Change but, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but really, you know, lovely customers that have been customers of mine as long as I've been grooming, you know, and this is their, like their third or fourth dog that they brought yeah. to me for grooming, you know, mm. and it's lovely. It's lovely. So definitely customer service, definitely increasing and keeping your knowledge you know building on it like we said you never stop learning yeah. you know be open be open to new ideas and new things give it a try if you don't like it you don't have to do it you know and like I said I'm not a fan of comb attachments I've tried them I don't like them that's fine but at least I've tried them you know mm-hmm. I've not I've not shut myself off to it so always be open to you know new ideas and everything and listen to people take people's you know yeah. listen if you ask somebody for advice listen to it if you want to take it then fine take it but if you don't then that's up to you too but you know listen to people what people have got to say you know you can always pick something up can't you from someone I absolutely agree with that I think Mm. every seminar that I have sat in over all the years because I mean you know I was such a keen being when I started I would go to everybody's seminar I would be able to take something away from all of that yeah yeah even if it's one tiny little thing that you think oh, that's a good idea, then that's been worth your money. Money yeah. well spent because you've learned one little thing. Yeah, definitely. And and always charge your worth, I think, is that the, that's the other thing. You know, start, don't, you know, a lot of groomers when they're starting out think that they should charge a low price yeah. because they haven't got the experience or they haven't, but they've put time and money into getting trained. You know, some of them gain a qualification during the training. You know, it all costs money and it all costs time. So why should you charge, you know, any less than than the other person you know charge your worth says me that's really cheap on a grooming really but hey <laughs> there we go <laughs> slap on the hand yeah slap on put the your hand. prices yeah. up joe <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm not sure what your dms look like joe but mine are all dog related questions and i can probably bet yours are too you must be asked many many questions so I thought it'd be really good to try and answer a couple of people's queries on this pod. So how do you feel about giving your two pennies with me on some yeah. dog dilemmas? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Just to add, obviously, straight out of the traps that we are answering these dilemmas as dog owners, as experienced dog folk and pet professionals. But I'm not a qualified dog behaviorist for any behavioral related questions. So do with this information what you will. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you have a dilemma, email me at verityhardcastle at yahoo.com or send me a direct message. So the first question I've been asked is a really short and sweet one. It's from Rebecca Taylor. And she says, what are your personal favorite grooming products? Ooh, me, mine. Right. My personal favorite grooming products are the Activet grooming brushes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Love those. I love my um, buttercut, guide buttercup scissors. Mm-hmm. And I love my Lapooch comb which I wouldn't be without. And I love Requal grooming shampoos and products. You've used Requal for I've 11 used, years now, yeah, right? Yeah, I've used Requal for years. From the beginning, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, from the beginning when it first came over to the mm. UK. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I've tried, the profit is so good ones. at getting dogs white, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I've tried all different products and, you know, I always come back to Requal. Yeah, mm. I love their products. Yeah. Yeah, I so would. Those, those are my faves. I um, I still have. I think so. Activate is the same as Lapouche brushes. So yeah. I, yeah, well, I still yeah. have my Lapouche brushes, which must yeah. be 10, 11 years old. Yeah, amazing brushes. I love those brushes. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, my favorite is the green one. I just love yeah. my green one. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's so good. Um, yeah. Gibe scissors again. Yeah, Gibe scissors. Love Gibe scissors. I love yeah. a buttercup. Guys, yeah. oh, my favorite new blenders are my katanas. Love those. Yeah, yeah. so nice. Yeah. Really unforgiving if you put too much pressure on either Absolutely. blade. So you yeah. need to be really careful That's with your thing. sistering with Katana, them. Katana Blue Breeze. Katana mm. Blue Breeze. They're my, yeah, they're my go-to. Hard-working scissor. I love those. Yeah. yeah, so the Blue Breeze scissors are so good for like a workhorse salon scissor, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. You know, yeah, if you're a really busy groom and you don't want to be swapping your scissor around for, yeah. and it, you know, that'll that'll do your cutting out, yeah, won't it? And will. it'll put a nice finish on the dog. They will. Yeah, they're a really good scissor. Yeah, mm-hmm. really good scissor. Yeah. I remember you having those Lapouche combs when I, mm-hmm. I mean, you must have had those for a long time. Yeah, I remember you having them. And, well. and I think yeah. they cost about £100, didn't oh, they? they were, I think they were more. Think Maybe were more. more. Yeah. And Crazy I remember more. at the time being like, yeah. what? <laughs> Your comb costs over £100. Now I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, need this, I need this comb. <laughs> need this comb. It's true though. You know, I mean, you it's it's very much um, with your equipment, you have to, you know, with with grooming, I think the more expensive is better. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't really scrimp on. You know, there are some combs that are, that are good, but I don't. I don't know what it is about this Lapooch cut. I just love it. Just love my yeah. Lapooch comb. Yeah, yeah. I got a really fine comb from Irina Pinkisovich from oh, yeah, yeah. I was in America, and it's mm-hmm. that's like that. You know, if you pick it up the wrong way, oh, it goes right up your nail bed. It's one of those oh. jobs. You know, I hate those. I hate those it's so it's so fine, but it's, it's the most so. Thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially you know if you're just not looking, and then you just go yeah. ah. Yeah. Uh, but this coat is just I don't care for all my nail bed injuries. It's uh, it's so good yeah. at getting lifting every little hair on yeah. a dog. Yeah, yeah, it's and brilliant. that's what you want. Yeah. So my next question is: Hello, Verity. Thank you for offering your support and wonderful advice to all your followers. 
I hope it's wonderful advice. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't worry if you haven't got time to reply. Well, here we are replying. Oh, we're replying. I, oh, we are. I just feel a bit lost as a groomer and thought you might be able to help and give me a little inspiration. I've been grooming, and then she's put in brackets, my own business for nearly four years, working from home. And before I did this, I completed my sitting gills level two and thought I'd start grooming friends, neighbors, dogs, and then I'd apply for my level three alongside this. Naturally, life, my husband and my kids gets busy, and I've never been back to do my level three. One of the main reasons was because I'd grown a client base around 50 regular dogs, which is amazing because I've never advertised. It was all word of mouth. And my biggest problem now is I'm constantly just self-doubting myself as a professional, she's put in speech marks, groomer. My customers are clearly really happy, but I feel like I need to develop my skills, but I don't have the time with work. Any tips would be much appreciated. Thank you. Now, I thought this would be a good one for you, Joe. obviously, because you, like myself, are a huge promoter in education and, um, and obviously continual development. Yeah, it's it's so difficult, isn't it, when you've got such a busy life and you're working and you've got a family and you're trying to fit things in. But I really think sometimes you've got to be a little bit selfish. You know, if if you're really wanting to run your business as a business professionally, mm-hmm. then you've got to take that time and actually just think, no, I'm going to block that day out. I'll rearrange my customers. I'll work around it going to block that day I'm going to go for some training and I'm just going to go for it because it's only going to benefit you more because if you don't it, there is a danger that you'll just burn out mm-hmm. because you'll just you know you're putting too much pressure on yourself just running the business day in day out and you know feeling that you're not achieving like she said she's stuck in a bit of a rut I think by the sounds of it and yeah I think it, you know she just needs to be really like I said quite selfish in that respect you know you can when you're working for yourself you can jiggle your diary around you know yeah yeah yeah, you know and you can fit things in can't you you know it's it is hard when you're raising a family as well and you're working full-time but you can do it and and you need to do it she needs to do it for her own self-esteem I think if you're ever having a bit of a groomer's lull as we call it there's nothing better than going to a competition go visit a seminar just to get your spark back and I think that embarking in you know finishing your qualification will really help to give Massively. you focus and bring that spark back you know the yeah. love of what you do we, we do yeah. this job I mean because like we've like we've said it's blooming hard work we do this yeah. job because we love it so if yeah. you've lost your mojo to kind of continue that journey I think that yeah you know we need, we need to give you a kick with the bum and yeah, sort it definitely. out lady definitely <laughs> <laughs> there you go consider your bottom kicked <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so in this episode's Breed Focus, we're going to talk all about things poosh on. We're going to discuss poodles a lot more in this podcast, but what better lady to discuss the poosh on because as she's laid on her sofa here, she's nestling <laughs> into Kit Kat, her lovely poosh on. The poosh on is a mix between a poodle and a bichon. So this may have accidentally occurred over time, and but folk have obviously started intentionally mixing these two breeds since about the late 1990s. Joe, what are these crossbreeds like to own? We see so many cockapoos and cavapoos and doodles, but not so many pouchons. So would you recommend them as a dog to own? And if I'm not a groomer, will they completely empty my bank account with all the grooming that they need? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't understand why the popularity is not higher, actually. Like you said, you know. 
cockapoos and everything. I mean, you know, far be it from me to be promoting crossbreeds when I'm a purist, really. But yeah. I do have two crossbreeds. They are, you know, two Pouchons. The toy poodle Bichon mix, as you said. And they are, they are lovely, lovely little dogs, actually. Um, I think they take probably the best of both of the toy poodle and the Bichon. Mm-hmm. They are very, very gobby, I have to say. <laughs> And that I think from, that is, is that from the Bichon or the Poodle? Yeah, no, that's from the Bichon. Yeah. That's from the Bichon. Toy Poodles are quite needy and they do, they don't, they're not as needy as Toy Poodles. They're a little bit more independent, but they are, they do have the Bichon gob, I'm afraid. They are a bit gobby. <laughs> <laughs> but Just they as are you're saying that, I can hear, I've got four poodles down, down here below me and I can, they've all started barking. So I'm sorry if you can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> but they are the most affectionate, cuddly, adorable, you know, to live with dogs. I mean, Kit Kat is just such a baby. The other one that I've got two to, she's a little bit more independent, but she she absolutely idolizes my mum. I don't know why. I don't know what it is that she's that my mum's ever done, but she just absolutely loves her nan. She just adores her. <laughs> She's so funny. But Kit Kat is just, they are lovely to live with. They are very, very sweet to live with, but they are quite gobby. But yeah. because they've got that more true wool coat, because they're a mix between two yeah. wool-coated breeds, wool. yeah. they are yeah. going to be a lot lower maintenance in the sense that they're not yeah. going to get as knotty as, say, a cockapoo and a cavapoo. I mean, you must see it yourself. Yeah. Like, Absolutely, you could probably yeah. go a month without brushing your poodle, oh, yeah. and it wouldn't have a knot yeah. in it, right? If it's in yeah. a you know a, a salon style, yeah. But um, but a cockapoo, you you know, you'd rarely be able to get away with that Definitely. same length of hair without having it full of snags. Yeah, because you've got you've got as you said, you've got the two wool coat mixes. So I mean, Kit Kat, my my biggest one, she's she's basically a bichon in coloured clothes. You know, she's mm. she looks like a bichon, her coat's like a bichon's. Um, you know, and but she's just got a different colour. And the little one, Tutu, she's very much taken more of the poodle side. She's more like a toy poodle in mm-hmm. a size and a stature and everything. But yeah, the coats are just, you know, phenomenal and they're great for competition work. I was just you about know? to ask about because yeah. you've got yeah. you end up having a lot of variety in the colouring with them, which is yeah. quite striking yeah. for a grooming competition, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But also the structure, they can either be one or the other. Yeah. But you can yeah. do that teddy face and yeah, exactly. Quite I mean, mine, mine are both in, well, um, Kit Kat's in more or less a full Bichon trim and Tutu's in more of a, which is more of a cockapoo type round head and longer ears. But, mm. um, you can do what you want with them, really. But they are, they are very striking. And because you breed in two more closely related breeds, like the Toy Poodle and the Bichon, you're more likely to get more conformity in what you're actually getting. So yeah. whereas with a cock, whereas with a cockapoo or a cavachon or anything, you, you know, there's such a difference in the two breeds. Yeah, that the the results that come out, you can have two. It ends up being a bit. It can be a bit yeah. jarring as well, can't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, really, I'm a purist poodle person, mm-hmm. and yeah, it might seem a bit wrong that I've got crossbreeds, but I have. <laughs> I have, and I love, and, and I love them, and I wouldn't swap them for the world. But you know, um, yeah. But I mean, I you, always... you, you, and Zoe have had Pouchons for over ten years. Yeah, and and the thing is, we've we've got Pouchons that are from health tested stock as well. Yeah, you know, so they're not just bred from, you know, oh, Joe Bloggs down the road has got a dog. Let's yeah. go to the boats. You know, they're from health tested parents. So they're you know, considerately not... bred. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Now we're near the end of episode four. We're going to go and round things off with a really quick fire round. I want. 
really quick, honest answers as ever, Joe, and no bull. So okay. are you poised? <laughs> I'm poised. I'm, but you only ever get honesty from me, Verity. You know that. <laughs> I know that. I know that. <laughs> so dog food of choice. Uh, mine are fed on uh, Arden Grange and Fourth Glade. Favourite place to walk? Um, locally, um, we've got some really lovely walks. I'm really lucky. Obviously, Yorkshire is the best place to walk your dogs. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number of dogs under your roof? I'm only down to two. If you were a dog, what breed would you be? Dunder Poodle. Your favourite holiday destination? Somewhere hot and sunny. Don't care where. Just somewhere <laughs> warm and sunny. Get just pull sunshine. up a sun lounger. Yeah, <laughs> just get me the sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your worst nightmare dog breed to own? Anything that sheds hair. Mm. I don't like dogs that molt. I don't want hairy <laughs> dogs in my house. So no Alaskan Malamutes for you? Uh, no, thank you. No Samoids, <laughs> no German Shepherds. Do you know, I used to have German Shepherds and I love German Shepherds, but I would never, ever own one again. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me, Joanne Angus. We'd be absolutely delighted if you could give us a follow on Instagram. I am at Verity Harcastle and Joe can be found on Facebook. Have a look out for Zoo Groom as well on Facebook. And also you can find Look North grooming and training center there as well thank you for everyone for listening and please don't forget to rate five stars would make my day and subscribe to pod on the dog so that everybody can find it much love <laughs>